The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for their top-rated sportsbook app and use promo code RTRS. And brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. By nature, pet foods, slow-cooked with superfusion. Get yours for 20% off your first order at Chewy with promo code RTRS20. And, of course, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe, Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get yours at rightstreakysanchez.com or statesidevodka.com. On the show today, the new Sixers uniforms came out, and they are not what we talked about last time. They're something. Uh, Boathouse Row, TTP, Ben Simmons, I'm sure will it'll make it into his Wikipedia that he was involved in creating those. Um, and there's a bit of an olive branch to the Ricky that the team has now denied. Uh, that they did on purpose, which is a total fucking lie. Um, well, I'll, we'll get to it. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, you know, I've never said Sam's. I, I don't think I've ever said Sam's last name out out loud. Is it Vicini? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sam Vicini from the Athletic will join us. We'll finally talk about the draft. We're Jesus. We're a week away. We're a week away from the draft, and things already falling apart in Houston now that Daryl Morey has left. We'll talk about that as well. Before we get going, the I spoke of stateside Urban Craft Vodka. The Ricky bo- bottle is available now. It is in stateside. Um, they have sold a lot of them, which is really cool. So we're only going to sell it for a limited time. They're shipping starting Thursday. Um, they they got the labels in. They're bottling them up. So uh, perfect for the draft. As you pray that we don't sell second-round picks, you can drink the Agua de Fiesta, which my buddy Eddie over at uh, – over at, at uh, Stateside, came up with the name Agua de Fiesta, Stateside, water, and lemon, and a lime. Uh, the Ricky bottle has the logo on the front. On the back, it says we were right. And then it has signatures from me and Mike and Zoe. Distilled seven times, certified gluten-free, and 40% alcohol. Hollis approved. So go to statesidevodka.com or go to rightsrickysanchez.com. Uh, must be 21 to drink. Please drink responsibly. And as well, the first episode of the Carl Landry Record Club, the first Ricky spinoff pod with myself and Mootloo is available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. We talk about three albums, Silverchair's Diorama, uh, Donny Hathaway's Live, and Kate Bush's Hounds of Love. Please subscribe and rate us. Without any further ado, Amos and the Shot. It's Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is knee deep, waist deep, perhaps chest deep in draft preparation. I would hope, I would think that is Mike Levin. All day. 
all day. I love it. I love this shit, man. Which, I love it. It's so much shorter now, right? I mean, have you, well, longer and shorter, right? You've had more time, but the time between when we start talking about the draft and the actual draft, much shorter. Yeah, well, it's a bummer that we didn't get real conference tournaments and then the mm-hmm. NCAA tournaments and then real combine stuff. Like it's right. a real, it, it hurts, man. I'm still mourning the loss of NBA summer league in Las Vegas. Um, but this is the stuff and everybody's going to be good and everyone's going to make it except for the, like three or four guys that I inexplicably hate. Um, and it's everybody's going to make it. My, everyone's going to make it. My big board is going to be 85 guys long. Um, and if, if look, if, even if they don't work out, I will know that they would have worked out in the right situation. And yeah, that's you're not a guy for. who gives up on players. Even yeah. if, even Joe, if they... there, there are there are Joe Alexander hype pieces about how good he's doing in Europe today, and I I just think that had he you know found the right situation, and I think there's still time for him to uh, to make a name for himself in the NBA. So why why would I stop? Well, look look how long it took Kurt Warner to make it in the NFL. Right. I mean, he was like in his mid thirties, I think. So there's, there's an opportunity. Tucker, Pat Beverly, you don't just give up. Mm -hmm. That's what's most important. Uh, Christian Wood. Sure. You know, didn't not, not, I mean, Christian Wood is good right away. That is, that is a fact. The uh, Apple podcast, your favorite part of the pod, the Apple podcast, five-star review. Please leave us a five-star rating with a review. We're at 2,773, but love to get to 3000. This comes from a tribe called cats. Say the name is the subject line. I started off as a Sixers fan, and I'm not sure if I'm more loyal to the team or the pod, leaning heavily toward the pod. That's the right answer. So last time, uh, of course, Mike, we'll, we'll, get to, uh, we'll get to the draft. We're going to talk a lot with Sam about the draft. And this is exciting, Mike, because this is the first time that we've had draft talk while the pod is on video. And we all know about 15 minutes into talking about the draft, I space out and I'm not going to be able to space out because there will be video of me. So I'm going to have to really try hard to once you, cause we start talking about the main stuff and then you just start listing guys to talk about. And I can't, I, do. I, I can list guys all day long. <laughs> Full podcast of just me listing guys, the, the stray comment right. about them, but mostly just the list. Um, so before we get to the draft, a couple of things, first of all, so last pod, we were talking about the new Sixers uniforms, and everyone expected it to be the Iverson era gold, the black jerseys, whatever. And, you know, I should have known better because there's no way they were going to do a jersey that lots of people already own. Because it's harder to sell a jersey that lots of people already own, even with Simmons and Embiid on the back. So they develop a a new jersey and they tease it for, I mean, God bless them because I love teasing shit, even if it's not a big deal. But they tease the fuck out of these things. And, you know, Chris Heck tweeting with Ben Simmons about them, like in the lead up. And I got to say, like, look, I've said before, I don't care that much because I'm not going to buy one anyway. But they do fucking suck, Right. I mean, they're terrible, <laughs> right? They, I, I know people worked really hard on them, and I, uh, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to shit on anybody, 
But I look, they come out and I looked at it and I just wonder how nobody in the room is just like, eh, these don't look right. They don't even look as good as our regular jerseys. So why would we sell them? I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with Boathouse Row, even though nobody cares about Boathouse Row outside the city. I just, I just don't think they look very good. I think that I don't think they suck. Mm. Um, I think Boathouse Row is certainly misguided. Um, my friends who aren't from Philadelphia asked me like, what is that? And I was like, it's kind of just like a fancy part of town along the water and a very wealthy space that looks cool when lit up, but really, and there's rowing there, bro. I mean, there's rowing. Sure. I've, I've never rowed there. So I guess I can't speak to the rowing. Um, I think that the shorts are cool. I think the shorts are very cool. Um, Mm. I don't mind. I think it like looks clean. It's almost like a Denver sort of attempt at like a Nuggets looking thing um, where it's like straight across. But the Denver thing, at least what, okay. The Den, that's a good point. But the, what the the Denver thing has, what these don't and what the, the Iverson jerseys do have is a, is like nostalgia, right? Like you're talking about the old Denver jerseys, mm-hmm. right? With well, like they still the, have, the they, they wear them now too, as well. Yeah, um, but but the 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 retro ones. The, this is not retro in any space. Even like, it looks like the like it's spaced out wrong or something. I don't know. I just yeah, I'm I mean, not I, like any of the city. I, I like I like all the jerseys. I think they're cool. <laughs> I think the Phila is cool. I think the uh, Suxers is cool. Um, the the 76ers with the one with Ben and Joe on a car. Any of it's cool. They do there. It's fine. And you get the ones that you really like. I I've there honestly have been very few jer- Sixers jerseys ever that I haven't liked. Even the like Sean Bradley, uh, mm-hmm. Clarence Weatherspoon one with like, that's all red with the like weird sort of like boomerang white and blue in there. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Um, there's a lot. It's, it's, it's jerseys are cool because they are going to play in them and basketball is great <laughs> i don't give a shit i don't i don't give a shit i so don't okay. oh man everybody has so many opinions and i'm just like great yeah those are fine those are those opinions are fine and well that those other opinions are on the other side they're also fine that's how i feel about sneakers everybody's like "Ooh, what are those and i'm like oh come on do we really yeah no not for me yeah the, the only shoe- i will say the, we need to talk about the TTP because okay. it's That's there. Like it straight up is there. It's there. It's right in the middle of it. Yes. Uh, I also like that somebody pointed out that it says TTP, but you could also, if you take the P and go to the ne- like the windows of the next one, it just spells out poo, <laughs> which I think is solid. Um, but it's right. I mean, it's very clearly there. It's like so it couldn't be more. So, yeah. It's not. You don't have to do much digging to find it. So uh, yeah, obviously we got a lot of tweets about it. We got emails about it. People are like, "Do you think this is on purpose?" It's clearly on purpose. Like it. It said there's no other letters in the whole fucking thing. It, it definitely says TTP. So there was an interview with, and I apologize because I don't know his title. He's obviously a. a there's an interview with John Clark and uh, Desron Dor- Dorsett. Who I, I don't even know. I pro- maybe I've met him. I, I don't. I don't know him. Um, at least I, I don't think I know him well. Anyway, Desron Dor- Dorsett did a three and a half minute interview with John Clark on the NBC Sports Philly website, and the entire interview is about the jerseys, how much Ben Simmons was involved, 
Um, because I don't know if you saw the quote, Ben Simmons is into both fashion and basketball. So this was like a dream come true for him. Love it. Um, but so at the end, John Clark goes, and you know, there's a TTP in there. You know, what was the thought? He didn't even, he didn't even suggest that it maybe was accidental. He goes, what was the thought about putting that in there? And Desmond Dorsett goes, you know, we've never really waded into that. And that's owned by the fans, not by us. True. And we wouldn't really, we wouldn't really do that. <laughs> mm. But you did. Well, you did. It's, it's right there. I, mean, I, I get thinking, that it's owned by the fans. I think that I respect him for saying that. But uh, well, then maybe they shouldn't have fucking copyrighted it. I don't know. I, <laughs> they did. Really? Do we remember this whole thing not two really. years ago, where they put it on, like they they put like 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 images on their Instagram and Twitter that had like TTP on it. And then they, they trademarked. Yeah. They're, I think they, they might feel this, a similar way to trust the process as we do, where they're like, I don't know. Is it ours? It might be ours. It kind of is. It's not we'll claim it. We're not. Uh, everyone says it's ours. Jake Tapper's saying it. Might as well. I don't know. I do think it's an olive branch. I think it's an olive branch and they might not say it's an olive branch, but I'm mm. I'm going to need a bigger olive branch, and that is an olive branch that I can bang onto the Liberty Bell at half court before a game. Or how about this for an olive branch? A check. Just <laughs> send us a check. I mean, I back up the truck again. Just pull up, pull up to. Are you in Delco? You're in Delco, right? Yes. Pull up to Delco and the west side of Los Angeles and show us how much you appreciate it. Just a, a truck full of like cash. I, I'm not, <laughs> look, Small I'm bill. not saying I. <laughs> and you know what I wonder though? Here's what I wonder. Actually, now that I think of it, I wonder. So, one of the things when they did trademark the thing that's owned by the fans, uh, there was a list of things that they trademarked it for, and it was already trademarked for clothing. They did not trademark it for clothing. I wonder if he's not admitting to it because they do not own the mark to it. That sounds right. And yeah. Um, so here's my question to you before we get on to a little Russell Westbrook and uh, James Harden. Um, if we, I feel like we need to do a playoff of this shirt. But I'm trying to think of like a less, a more funny, less symbolic landmark and, and what words we would have in it. Um, like, is, is there an area that would be funny to do a, like a, you know, a yeah, just do landscape? The, of yeah, the Wawa, Philmont, Bustleton, maybe. <laughs> just that. That sounds great. I asked, um, <clears throat> Actually, I'm not going to say who this was because I don't want to out them. Somebody that got a jersey uh, sent it to, like, was laughing at got it. The, and I got asked, the, like, packaging fancy thing? Yeah. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and um, this, I, you know, I, okay. And I said, I asked the same question. What place should we pick? And he said the King of Prussia Mall. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that would be funny, I like that. too. Uh, maybe Sesame yeah. Place in Oxford Valley? Oh my God! Extremely live. Um, well, it almost means too much. It's mm-hmm. almost too iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we came on uh, the pod, um, uh, uh, Shams tweeted out that Russell Westbrook 
has requested out of Houston. He followed it up with, obviously, after everyone said that both those guys are going to get chart traded, that James Harden remains committed to Houston and is locked in for the season. Uh, that seems like bullshit to me. Like, why would Russell Westbrook request a trade and Harden wants to stay? Um, so, I mean, we're just revisiting this as we, I, let me tell you what I think for, there's no way the six, if, if you're worried at home at all, there's no way the Sixers are trading for Russell Westbrook. That's never going to happen. I got to tell you, I'm like, 65% sure the Sixers are going to trade for James Harden. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Russell Westbrook. There's no, no. way it's going to happen. I am 65% sure it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I could see it. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, mm. I don't know how they would do that to Ben after after all this jersey planning. What, uh, <laughs> would they still let him wear the jersey in Houston? Um, <laughs> do we still have to have it here? Can we get rid of it? Yeah, he might have to take it with him. Um, yeah. I really do like those shorts. I want those shorts. Um, I don't know. I think if I, I think if, if you're if you're Houston, I mean, what is the what is the what is the point? What is the idea of like Daryl was there? Like you're looking at this whole thing, right? Let's mm-hmm. take a step back and, and you're looking at Houston. What is the goal here? So you had you had Daryl for a long time. You made the decision probably as an owner that. I don't feel like paying him this much anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to cut costs here and there. And maybe this thing, you know what? Maybe it comes from money, but like you get you get to the conclusion that this thing's not working. You can't mm-hmm. you can't win like this. You can mm-hmm. win some regular season games, but in a playoff series, you just can't get there. Um but then you so you lose Daryl, you lose D'Antoni, you promote a guy from that was like Houston's general counsel, right? Raphael Stone, is I think is his name. Yeah, I don't um, know what his. Uh, he, he ended title up being Daryl's number number two afterwards, but, um, and then you, who is their head coach? Uh, they just hired uh, what's his fuck the guy from Dallas. Um, oh right, Silas. Yeah, um, Stephen Silas, and uh, and so that's a young a young coach that obviously has a coaching pedigree with his dad, but you know a young coach. Mm-hmm. So like, is this, I mean, is this a rebuild? Like where, where you, do you think that you're just going to try to sell off parts and get picks for the future, but also try to be like good enough? Cause if, if this, this team without James Harden is like nothing, if you're trading Westbrook mm-hmm. for, you know, just getting out from under the contract, you're not going to get much back really. Um, Westbrook had a pretty good season or at least a season of uh, sort of carved up into thirds mm-hmm. where he was like, really good and then like okay and then coronavirus um so I, I don't know i don't know what you're looking for i think if you're if, if you're trying to trade a star um which james harden clearly is the the best you can hope for is a young burgeoning type star or a bunch of picks and but i also i would say and picks like if oh. you just got if you, if, there's no one no team has i mean except for maybe like golden state i guess has the second pick this year and Minnesota's unprotected or top four protected pick next year. You know what would be There's wild? Many, what if OKC in Oklahoma City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have picks. maybe, but even even Oklahoma City's picks are like not great. Yeah, you know they're like the Clippers, their own. Um, that'd be that'd be funny if they traded back hard to get Harden back. It'd mm-hmm. be interesting. Um, but I'm I'm really not sure what Houston's goal is. If if they do say, hey, we want to still be good, 
Um, maybe Ben Simmons is that kind of player, you know, prior, prior to the bubble, you would have said like a Jamal Murray type. Um, but maybe they, maybe Denver has fallen in love with him too much and they wouldn't want him, even though obviously Harden is a better player. There's something to be said for like keeping your homegrown guys and it feels you're more attached to that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not, there's not many teams that can really do it. Like you wouldn't trade him to like Washington for Bradley Beal. Like what's that do? Um, you need like a young, somewhat cost-controlled rookie type, you know, on, on a uh, either towards the end of your rookie contract or the beginning of your next one, which is still not as much as Harden is making. So I don't know. I mean, like, do you trade him for like to Memphis for like John Moran and a bunch of those guys and, and salaries and try to restart as younger. And well, if you're Memphis, you're like, we got James Harden. I, I really don't, I really don't know what they'd be looking for. And Ben is certainly in the conversation of like the best kind of thing you can get. Well, and by the way, you, 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 you don't have to trade him exactly where he wants to go, but he's a level of player. You can't just ship out somewhere with that contract. I like, I, I think it's gotta be somewhere. He, he is okay with going. I really do. I, I, he's meant too much to that franchise for them to, if he doesn't want to go to Memphis, he ain't going to go to Memphis. You know, I don't, I don't sure. think so. It, but then it has to get to like, I think it could be, I don't know how long the, how far down the road of the conversation is, but if it's like, this becomes a, you know, Paul George or Anthony Davis situation mm-hmm. where they tell their team, Hey, my contract is expiring next year. I'm going to go. I'm doing you a favor by telling, telling you now trade me yeah. and I'll, and those teams are like, okay, well, we're only trading for you if we know you're going to sign here. But could Toronto trade for him? Yeah, maybe. You know, that'd be interesting. That'd be certainly interesting. Yeah, uh, they like uh, they like Kyle Lowry there, but who who and who's even there anymore? That would still like. I really don't know. I, I find it very odd. I think uh, Harden and Embiid would be, be awesome, tremendously exciting, yeah. um, and it would also possibly be a shit show <laughs> Who knows? oh yeah yeah come on are you serious i mean boy i mean the the influence there if we wanted if we wanted joel to get the best shape of his life i just yeah yeah uh, i wonder i wonder if there's another if i mean there's not many guys contract wise that add up to russell westbrook's number and i wonder if it you know they're talking about chris paul to phoenix mm-hmm. i wonder if chris paul and russell westbrook are once again like involved in a trade for each other where it goes it becomes like a three-team situation yeah i don't, I don't know. know wild right um uh look let's uh first i want to talk about our presenting sponsor then we'll we'll do, there's just a couple of mailbag questions i want to get to and then we'll get to sam um the rice ricky sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings sportsbook you know before we get to what sunday is going to be because sunday's going to be crazy betting wise sports betting wise the sixers trade for james harden those championship odds they become like a three to one like i think they're 33 to one right now like they become five to one like they're one of the three or four favorites i think i don't think it's going to happen i do the trade i do i just you do think it's going to happen you think they're going to trade for james harden i do i just i really do i i I have no i want to say i have zero information a lot of times i say things are going to happen and somebody has told me something nobody's told me anything i think they're trading for james harden i just i do somebody emailed once that remember the the early rumor about the sixers like the the d'antoni harden thing was like a package deal and and the emailer said hey what if it's maury and harden that's the package deal and i laughed at it 
Yeah, it seems kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wonder, I just wonder if, you know, if they trade for Harden, how that will sit with the fact the fact from two years ago that they're fucked still from the Celtics. Oh, uh, don't, don't do that, bro. If, if you could have called all this, then please. No, but there's things change. You yeah. already called. You no. already waved you, the white you, flag. Bro, then. you said ridiculous they, then. It was ridiculous now. Bro, you said they had a fifty percent chance of winning the title with Simmons. And I still think that. <laughs> you said in, in five years. You said you did give me five years. I still think it. <laughs> anyway, and that means fifty percent of the time they don't win the title. But I still think it. DraftKings <laughs> Sportsbook Sunday is going to be crazy. The big uh, golf tournament is Sunday, plus pro football, college football, all weekend. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, puts you in the center of the action with different ra- ways to make it rain. That's right. Make it rain. Uh, DraftKings is ensuring all new users covered up to $100 for Sunday's action. You bet they cover with a risk, risk-free betting on Sunday. Everything happening on Sunday, they cover $100. Um, like I said, golf. Um uh, college football, pro football, uh, man, Eagles only a three point favorite on Sunday is really tough in New York. Really? Yeah, really tough. Um, special promotions every day of the tournament in Augusta, the golf tournament, safe, reliable, secure. You deposit the money. It's in there right away. You withdraw it. It's out of there right away. Great app. Just an awesome app. That's why it's top rated. Use promo code RTRS to get the top, to get this uh, can't miss offer. DraftKings ensuring your Sunday bets up to a hundred dollars. That's right. You bet they cover up to a hundred dollars when you use promo code RTRS to sign up for a limited time. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older Pennsylvania only in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Risk free coverage paid out in site credits restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER just a couple of mailbag questions um the first one comes from greg uh this is for you mike are they still your pelicans even with the stan van gundy hire yeah i mean stan was a previous enemy of the ricky mm-hmm. um I think that was during a crankier time in his life. And I think that he has learned and grown mm. and, uh, we, I support, I certainly support growth mm-hmm. and learning and changing. Um, and so absolutely, uh, these are my Pelicans, uh, Stan is my Stan. I stand for Stan. Hmm. If he started that Twitter account where he just said obvious shit for 30 days that made everyone love him. Um, I loved it. Yeah. Sometimes you have to say obvious shit. There's a lot of people that don't believe in the obvious shit. It's a, not a bad point at all. It's a fair point. Non-basketball question. If you had to cook your Ricky co-host dinner, what would each of you serve the other? Uh, very dry chicken for you. I'm and this is, what is it? Isn't the same thing you have? Oh, right. Didn't, but the chicken is what you had every day. Yeah. For the when you were trying to yeah. okay that thing. All right. What would I make you? I don't know eggs. Can you do eggs? No, that's it comes from an animal. I. <laughs> All right, I'm not making you anything. You got some snacks, cookies, or something. Well, I know you have a, a sense of tummy, so I'm just going. I'm going like fried matzo. <laughs> just something, something classic and easy, and like something everybody eats for dinner. <laughs> My mom used to make it for dinner. It's good as shit, man. Oh, by the way, before we get to the second mailbag question, then we get then we get to Sam. A very happy birthday. We we have to do this. A very happy birthday to our very own Abby. Uh, Abby is the artist for writesrickysanchez.com. Does amazing work for us. Started off just showing up at lottery parties with drawings of us. Just the the coolest drawings. Um, She's awesome. 
does commissions. If you ever want to commission, I know a few of our listeners, uh, Jason Lipschitz did a, a great commission for his, uh, for his wife. Um, she's just an awesome artist and a really nice person. And, uh, she, I think she's only 23 or something does and does not listen to this podcast, which is, I think, well, does not part. watch basketball, does listen to the pod because Leo listens oh. to the pod. Her partner, Leo sure. listens to the pod, right? So happy birthday, Abby. We love you. Happy birthday, Abby. Very much. Uh, Email, this comes from Zach. Love the pod. I'm extremely excited for Carl Landry Record Club too. Basketball question. You guys mentioned in the last pod that Sam, in his interview with Pablo Torre, noted that the Sixers would need to give Maury enough time to build a championship team. You took that as Sam's way of saying the Sixers aren't ready to compete yet, and I agree with you, but do you think the comment also doubled as a little bit of Sam's shade being thrown at the Sixers for the way they reneged on their promise to let him see his vision through? Do you think it was a yes. shot at the Sixers? Do you think so? Uh, I don't think, I don't, I think it's more really of a shot at the people who fucked it up. I don't think he like takes shots. Mm. I don't think that he is salty in that way. Yeah, I agree. I think he is a, just appraising the situation and saying it as such, but there have, but there were times during that podcast when he, I think was being a little bit more diplomatic mm -hmm. and this time he was like, yeah, they're not ready. Um, which is probably true um, in some in some sense, um, and also because of how they screwed it up after he left. Also, a, a nice mention from Zach here saying that, like, at some point during the conversations with ownership and him, Sam's name must have come up. Oh yeah, I just, I just, I don't you, I don't really care about much of the conversation, but I would be curious as to the conversation about that, you know. I would, yeah. I mean, I would say there had to be something like, I need some more guarantee that what happened to Sam won't, won't happen to happen me. To me. Like, you right. know, trust me, I have more of a pedigree than he does. I've been doing this for longer. Like you, if you're bringing me in, you, that means you got to trust me and let's all like, well, I'm happy to, obviously as my pedigree uh, indicates, I'm happy to involve ownership. It's ultimately your call, but I need a little bit more autonomy and not looking over my shoulder the way that, uh, you know, the league forced upon Sam. And also I'll play the game better than Sam yeah. did because I've done it before. And then non-basketball question, fitted hats or snapbacks? You feel like a, like the cloth adjuster kind of guy. You're, uh, not, you're not a fitted guy, right? I used to be, I'm not much of a hat guy now. I've been wearing a hat more because my hair is uh, untamed at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. um, I think it depends on the hat. I think both. Uh, I'm, I'm good with both, both too. I have a lot of fitted. The, the great thing with the snapback is that your hair, you know, if my hair grows in a little bit, I, my seven and a half can go from fitting perfect to fitting a little too tight. That's the good thing about a snapback. So, um, and, uh, before we get to Sam, I want to remind you the Ricky stateside vodka is available right now. Statesidevodka.com. It's not going to be there forever. It's got a cool Ricky label. Go get it. Uh, I think it's 2795 which is like the same price as the regular vodka, except it's a cooler label. So they've got good branding, I think, stateside. They've got a cool logo. Um, Big time. Yeah. All right, let's get to Sam. So Sam, I was telling Mike at the beginning of the pod, I've, I've only seen your name. And I, I took a guess <laughs> at it, like your last name. But I was like, Vicini? And he's like, yeah, that's right. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, the Athletic is where you can read Sam now. Now, yeah. before we get to the draft, you moved to Australia. Uh, I did. That is true. 
Now, many of our listeners know because they only send me Australian music recommendations because I have a like I've been fascinated with Australia for a long time. Can you? Sure. Why did you move to Australia? I'm curious. So my wife is from Melbourne originally. Uh, so we've actually been planning this for, I mean, God, six years. Uh, I mean, like we started dating six and a half years ago. And within the first like five months of us dating, there was a conversation just like, hey, are you willing to live in Australia at some point? And I was like, sure, sounds great. Let's do it. And then a year ago, after we got married, we really started to go down the road of, you know, making this happen. And it gets, uh, as you guys are dog lovers, it gets a little bit wild whenever you're Australia. Yeah, oh, I can only imagine. Because it's like a day flight, right? It's like 24 hours, something like that? Well, the the flight isn't the issue. It's all of the import uh, yeah. like testing and shots and all of that stuff it's literally like a seven month process oh, wow. like you can't do it in it's awesome there though right crazy. i mean come on it seems awesome <laughs> look i've been stuck in this like dungeon of a room writing draft content uh. for the last three weeks that i've been out of quarantine so look i go running in the morning and we have like zero coronavirus cases here, so it's great. But I mean, I, I don't, I can't really answer that because so I've no gotten kangaroos out yet, that. or no like giant knife or anything. <laughs> I have seen some like weird, yeah, big heard spiders. Of yeah, uh, and yeah, and you see. Uh, on the side of like the highway when you're coming in, there are like random kangaroos that'll be just like in a field. Like you guys are from Pennsylvania. Like I'm sure you guys have seen deer yeah. and like shit, like just in your yard or whatever. It's just oh, kangaroos awesome. replace deer. Well, look, man, I wish every kangaroo was that jacked kangaroo that I've seen on the internet. Um, but I don't think he is. Anyway, enough Australia. The draft. Here we are. The draft. What a, What weird timing. We were talking about oh, just later, more time to, to prepare for it, but it seems rushed all at the same time. More time to tinker. Mm-hmm. Sam, how do you feel? Yeah, you that's feel ultimately the, the draft class overall and the process and all the whole thing. So if I was a Sixers fan, I'd be very happy with my current draft standing because I don't like the top of this right. draft at all. Uh, I would be working as hard as I could if I was in the Minnesota, Golden State, or Charlotte front office to try to trade yeah, those picks. Number one on my board, I don't is, really have, on my board is trade down. Yes, 100%. Like I, I really even like LaMelo Ball, and I don't feel great about taking mm -hmm. LaMelo Ball at this mm -hmm. stage. So I don't love the top of this draft. I think that there's maybe some value in like the 4 to 15 range, but where I really like this draft is you get down to like 22 all the way down through 45, 46, 47. That's my, that's my I have 49. Yeah, this is a this is a Michael Levin mm -hmm. draft if I've ever mm -hmm. seen one. Uh, I have 49 draftable players that I would actually feel pretty comfortable giving guaranteed deals to just as flyers. That's very high for me in a normal draft. So uh, this this is a fun draft for finding the random uh, Mike Levin favorite right. players. What is like 
as far as like the it's a weird year goes like some most of these guys haven't played organized basketball in seven eight nine months um are you thinking are you hearing or thinking from teams that it's like well there's not going to be much of an off season and a and a workout regimen like we're not going to be able to work guys in very quickly like is do you think there's more of a of a feeling that guys are going to draft players who can play now and aren't so much projecty i'm less convinced of that like look I, i'd be lying to you if i said that i haven't like heard that occasionally but at the end of the day what is the phrase that you hear from nba executives every year oh we're going to take the highest guy sure. that's on our board right and i think that that stuff is always uh, a bit a bit difficult to navigate because at the end of the day i think teams make boards based off of you know who they think will fit best on their mm-hmm. roster right so every board is going to be different it's not like uh they're just going off of ceiling talent like if you have a center you're going to mark down centers a little bit because you don't necessarily need them as much as you need a wing maybe or with the sixers i would imagine that the guys that are higher on their board are guys that can come in and really shoot and fit around joel and beat and ben simmons so The Sixers will probably say, yeah, we took the highest guy on our board, but the highest guy on their board is probably someone that can shoot the basketball and hopefully uh, can help actualize Ben Simmons and Joel. What do you think the biggest, um, what's the word, disadvantage will be for teams? Is it the fact that they are not able to work them out and see them as see as many players as they normally would? Or do you think the interview... Like, I I know they could probably talk to them on Zoom or talk to them on the phone, but talking to them in person is a complete different thing. Where where do you think there's a bigger disadvantage, the workout thing or the interview thing? So teams in general care a lot more Mm -hmm. about the interviews. I would say that I haven't yet gotten a lot of feedback on what medicals look like for players. Uh, A lot of players went to the NBA Draft Combine and got medicals, but most of the top players in the class did not go to the NBA Draft Combine. Like Excel basically did not send any of their high-level prospects to the NBA Draft Combine. So I think that as much as anything, it's going to be hard for teams to get their hands on medicals or maybe marginally harder this year than it would be in the past. Uh, The interviews I think would be Mm -hmm. second to that because teams like to, you know, shake as many hands and get a feel for the way that guys act in the gym and all that stuff. Uh, And then I would say the workouts are probably third uh, on that, but I will also note again, and like I'm kind of couching all of this, I guess, with bots, and that's not a great answer to your question. But I do think the fact that there has been an eight-month layoff since the time that we saw these players last in college basketball and the time that they are being drafted does create a real sense of uncertainty for teams. Has a guy made a leap? Has a guy gotten better? How has he gotten better? So I think that that part of it is actually pretty real that we're missing eight months of development time but it's, and it's also as i'm sorry to say this uh sixers fans would know that's a lot of time to change your shot mm. and 
uh, yeah. I saw it, and you tell me if this is real or not, but I saw that uh, Devin Vassell, who's a guy I like a lot out of Florida State, a wing player, the very smart, intuitive, Addie type yeah. of player, I saw footage of him with a very different shot than he had at Florida State. Uh, <laughs> is that for real? And are there other guys that I need to be mindful of that have that are in the process of changing their shot? Sure. So... Look, the reporting on Vassell has been very different. Uh, people that I've talked to have told me that they don't think that it was real because they like to hope that no trainer would fuck with someone's jump shot. Well, wow. egregiously, you, who could do that? Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> let me. Let me. Let As me you guys know, that, guy for a uh, that can happen. But like, look at what happened to Jarrett Culver last year too. Like Jarrett Culver's jumper just was a total mess whenever he got to the NBA. So look, this stuff does happen. I like to think that Culver's jumper, or uh, I'm sorry, Vassell's jumper, based off of having talked to some people, that was just him kind of messing around. But this is part of the thing. We don't know. Like all of this season is subterfuge. All of it is smoke. Like that's what makes all of this so tricky. I'm sure teams would love to have Devin Vassell in. I'm sure a couple have to see what the shot looks like, to actually be able to confirm this. But I don't know that we're there. And by the way, Devin Vassell's a guy that took like three three-pointers a game at Florida State, has kind of an elongated release to begin with. And some teams are like, is he a 40% shooter or is he going to be more of just like kind of an okay shooter? We take a break from draft talk with Sam to talk about, well, this is just as important. It's the health of your pet, uh, the health of your your dog or your cat. Draft your dog. Draft your dog. Rebel would go first, man. And I'll tell you, by nature, pet food would go first in the uh, in the pet food draft. Look, you are what you eat. Your cat or dog, you know, it's pet food is more than just little brown pellets, man. Those brown pellets are made out of stuff. And the by nature pet food brown pellets are made out of the best stuff. And I, this is a, it's a real thing, man. It's, they've had, they've had uh, studies on it and like the, just look at the ingredients. I want you to go look at the ingredients of whatever pet food you're, you're looking at now. Does it say apple cider vinegar? Does it say spinach? Does it say blueberries? Does it say coconut oil? Does it, uh, does it list the, the protein? Is it first? Uh, is it a premium protein? This is what by nature does. They take all these great ingredients and they slow cook them so it stays more nutrient rich. So your your pet who is small, you know, even if it's a big pet, it's still smaller than you, metabolizes this food much quicker. So it needs to be more nutrient rich. And that's what the slow cooking does. The premium ingredients are the super fusion and it, it all just comes out to a super healthy, great pet food. Go to Chewy.com, search by nature. If it's your first purchase, use the code RTRS20 for 20% off. And th- this too, the company that owns by nature, ne- been around for 40 years, family owned, family operated, never had a recall and it, never. never. And in pet food, that's a, that's a big deal. Like can you imagine the panic when you see that the, the food that you feed your pet is, um, is recalled dogs and cats. And it's so healthy. You don't have to worry about the size. You don't have to worry if it's an indoor cat, outdoor cat. It's, it's, you know, you, it's they have one a dog one and a cat one all different flavors so by nature pet food again go to chewy.com uh use code rtrs20 if you want to learn more go to by nature pet that is by nature pet by nature pet food uh back to draft talk with sam 
who has this benefit has this benefited anyone like are, are there players who <laughs> are you know have have their s- skills have changed in this you know in this waiting time have gotten stronger are there are there noticeable um are there are players that have really taken advantage of the break so like i think rj hampton has changed his jumper in like a really substantial way like when he was in australia i didn't really think rj hampton was an NBA player, basically, because I did not see the jump shot as being good at all. He absolutely has NBA level athleticism, absolutely has, uh, you know, NBA level speed and quickness and can extend and finish around the basket. But if you can't shoot in today's league playing like a secondary creator role, it's going to be tough for you. He is working with Mike Miller. He has completely revamped the mechanics of his shot. And now looks like kind of a different shooter. And if he can actually shoot, then the skill set is very interesting because of how athletic he is. The thing that I will say, even above and beyond the aspect or the skill changing aspect, do you know every year the NCAA tournament, for whatever reason, it's a six game sample. And, you know, for some guys, some guys it's a four game sample, some guys it's a two game sample. And People melt down about, oh, my God, like this guy helped himself so much in the NCAA tournament in these two games. Like he blew up and rose up draft boards. This year, I think that the bubble kind of replaced the NCAA tournament as the event that led to shifting across the board. Because you look at someone Uh like Bam Adebayo really – stepping up and becoming a monster. And Bam was a monster all year, but seeing how it worked in the playoffs, I think made teams look at it and go, hey, these big athletic dudes like an Onyeka Kongwu, maybe we should take a second look at maybe ranking him over James Wiseman or Patrick Williams with someone like a, you know, a Jeremy Grant or someone like that, that really stepped up for Denver. And I think most teams think that Pat Williams has a much higher upside than a Jeremy Grant, but even these guys that are six foot eight with a six eleven wingspan and can guard multiple positions and can play off ball defensively and just are enormous. These guys are helping themselves. And then the last guy, last two guys really, I would point out are Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson as well. Every team right now that I talk to in the second round is looking at shooters, like guys like Isaiah Joe, Jordan Wara, Justinian Jessup has like flown up, flown up boards because he shot 40% over the last three years at Boise State. Guys like that with size that can actually knock down shots uh, off of screens and off of movement. uh, Those are the guys that I think are really helping themselves. It's very interesting. It's a lot of, a lot of reactionary stuff. Like it's, it is not oh, yeah. a um, <laughs> a new thought that big athletic guys with a strong motor are helpful in the NBA, especially especially on the <laughs> if they're like defensive minded, like a guy like Onyeko Kongu, who I loved at SC, and who right. profiles as a Bam Adebayo type. Um, and you can say the same thing about Pat Williams and the Jeremy Grant, like guys that are just like big and athletic. The Sixers. I think thought that they were those that team, but turned out that they were not. They were just kind of big and lumpy and didn't have the actual athleticism and motors than they really uh, needed. But it's it is interesting, like looking like that. These everybody's so reactionary, and you see it like across businesses, really. That like 
Yep. If something's working, it's like, I need that. I need that exact thing. And so we're just going to take that thing and hope that this guy is the same thing as that. Um, it's, it's all very, very interesting to me. I have a question. Um, Alexei Pokusevsky is a very interesting player, maybe the most interesting player in the draft to me. Um, yeah. Talk about him. And is, is there, because there's so many draftable guys that have maybe a limited ceiling, but a high like usefulness quotient um, with maybe one or two pretty significant drawbacks. Is he, is he the kind of guy that if, if Daryl is like a, you know, has, cause he hasn't, Daryl hasn't, we don't have much stock of Daryl drafting recently um, because he just hasn't had first round picks. Right. If he, if Pogosevsky, who's a seven foot, you know, Porzingisy type of guy, um, with I think more defensive potential. Uh, if if he's available at twenty one, knowing that there's other guys in, in at in thirty four and thirty six that are draft, available as shooters and and guys who can create a little bit, it, is that a crazy thing to to yeah. think that Daryl could take a swing on that guy and then hope he develops and move him later? No, I totally buy that. Like a hundred percent would buy that. Just the way that. Uh, Houston tended to think of players and the way that they tended to think of assets. Uh, they tended to go star hunting uh, and they tend to think that the best margins on guys are the guys who are max level players and then the guys who are minimum level players, right? That's why you see them always have like multiple max guys on the roster and then they have, you know, four guys in their rotation, seemingly more guys than any other team in the NBA on minimum level deals because that's where they thought that they could derive the most value against mm-hmm. the salary cap. So I think that someone like a Pokyshevsky who has that ridiculous upside, I mean, the guy is seven foot tall. He has like a seven foot three wingspan. He moves like a guard. He's a wing, maybe is the way to put it. He can really shoot off of movement. Like he's a guy that shoots like step back, sidestep jumpers to the, like going to his right. He can obviously step back right to left crossover to his left and shoot. Uh, More athletic than a Porzingis, like kind of different guys because of that. Porzingis is like a slow twitch, seven foot three dude. Like Pokyshevsky is a weird like hybrid of player that I don't really know that there is someone like him in the NBA. The, the problems with him are that he's like 190 <laughs> pounds at seven foot tall and can't play through contact at all. Like you can bring the idea of, Oh yeah. Like he'll put on weight. He'll put on weight. If he puts on 25 pounds, he's still yeah. a seven foot dude that is like 220 pounds and probably still struggles to play through contact in a real way. So I get it. Like, I, I'm fascinated by Alexei Pokyshevsky. Like, he can actually handle the ball. I think his most underrated skill is that he can really mm-hmm. pass the ball. Like, I mean, he's not like Nikola Jokic or anything as a passer, but as a big guy that is seven foot tall, he sees the floor. He can pass on the move. Like, he sees cutters constantly. He's a really smart player and like everything that I've been told is he's actually a really good kid that like really cares about basketball at a high level. I have him like right at the edge of the lottery. I it's the biggest boomer bust pick in this draft, I think by far, because if he just never gets strong enough to play through contact, you kind of can't play in the NBA at that level. Otherwise you're just going to get fucked and just, 
be thrown around everywhere, right? Uh, if he gets strong enough, though, he's going to be a real impact dude. Like, he can really, really shoot it. Yeah, and level. that's why I started kind of talking myself into, because I have I have a lot of guys that, like, you know, Desmond Bain, Malachi Flynn, Cassius Winston, like a, a bunch of guys that could be available in those early, with those early seconds that you might go, well, yeah. why don't we take a swing on this guy, hope that he's our Michael Porter Jr. type, and I'm, I'm not a Michael Porter Jr. guy, but the, the way that, like, all of a sudden his image can be rehabilitated and, like, sort of spot minutes here and there and like doing a couple impressive things. And then all of a sudden getting a haul for him from a team that thinks that they could build him out and make him the guy that he is. And so I think just thinking about Daryl and the way that he thinks about stuff, I wonder if that, that ends up being the move there. Mike Levin in favor of vaccines. <laughs> this is this is good to know. You're still not Very a Michael good Porter know. Jr. guy, Mike. Uh, you still don't think he's good. No, I don't. I don't think. He's, I don't think he's good. He's definitely. I don't think good. he's good. I, he, I don't think he plays a, even a small amount of defense. The amount of times that Kyle Kuzma just like beat him yeah. on like simple cuts over and over and over again was remarkable. Lots of guys. And I think he's. Like, I think he's a. I think he has bad shot selection. <laughs> I don't think he like is fluid with the ball in his hands. I don't think he's good I, I really simply don't i think he's just like a high i, I think he's impre- he's certainly an impressive rebounder but i wonder when he's not like you know mike malone only played him is like he, he pulled him a lot and i think it was like hey if you don't rebound you're not going to play and so once that is lifted on a team when he's he's you know maybe more of the guy i wonder if he's like loses that energy and becomes just a chucker Oof. yeah look it- if I was Denver, I would probably try to in a jump heartbeat. this in summer a heartbeat. while his stock is yeah. still high. Like, this is a guy that, like, everyone around the league is like, oh, yeah, this guy's like a future star. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's not that talented because I think he actually is really fluid with the ball and, like, can do a lot of, like, different shit creating shots. But, man, even, like, little stuff like him complaining about shots in the playoffs when you're surrounded by Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and, you know, are we sure you're actually efficient enough with your decision-making to be able to handle that load? Like, I I think I'd want to – this is a team that's, like, built on being unselfish and, like, doing the right thing from a team perspective. If I was Denver, I'd be like – I don't know how I feel about it's this. It's fucking going first forward. year. I would love to have a guy on this team that actually wanted to fucking take <laughs> shots in big time. We have a bunch. Of, I, I mean, you guys are nuts. That dude is good. The, I would, I would, I would trade him for Bradley Beal. Like, yeah, he's yesterday. good. I, the idea of the idea of having another guy who doesn't play defense next to Murray and Jokic and building yeah. around that is maximize that value, Denver. I like the jersey. I'm a Denver guy. Come on, make it happen, somebody. All right, if. If Drew Holiday was willing to sign an extension or even just opt in for that yeah. next year on his player, yes. off, Holiday. Yeah, for sure. All right, back to the draft. Right. Spike, what do you got? Um, okay. Obviously, this is not a Sixers thing, but I hear now, you know, Sam, you, I, I get this sense, you know, I don't watch college basketball. I don't watch, like, in this case, uh, Australian basketball. I don't. Like I only watch sure. fucking highlights and sometimes a little bit of a game. So I hear LaMelo ball, LaMelo ball, LaMelo ball. And my first reaction is, wow, LeVar ball was fucking right. I mean, what are the odds? This guy, <laughs> he said he was going to have two, three top picks. He ended up with two. It's not, not really a bad percentage. And then I watch LaMelo ball and I don't know, man, I, 
this seems to me like a guy whose name gets him in the conversation that he's in. I, I'm not buying it at all. Uh, wh- what do you think? So in terms of him being a player, I buy it because the natural comparison mm-hmm. is like Lonzo, right? And he's not Lonzo at all as a he's player. Like more he's more aggressive wholly than Lonzo different. Is, uh, offensively. Yeah. Yeah. And like, whereas Lonzo struggles to create mm-hmm. shit in half court because he has really stiff hips and like is very mechanical with the ball. Like LaMelo got all of those gifts. Like he is very, very shifty with ball in hand and plays at great tempo, can really change pace. Didn't really turn the ball over against a whole shit ton of pros this year in Australia because I don't think he like freaks out whenever he's in a crowd. Now, I actually, I really buy him getting separation and I think he's going to enter the NBA as like one of the 10 or so 15 best passers in the NBA. Really? Off of a live dribble. Like there are just few guys that can make the reads that he can off of a live dribble. Uh, He is able to pass it on the move out of ball screens with either hand, cross corner kickouts, you know, same side kickouts, um, you know, perfect touch lobs, pocket passes, anything that you're looking for, any pass, he can make it. Now, the problem is that like he supplements the lack of turnovers by turning it over with his shot selection, right? right? He takes these just miserable 30 foot, you know, 20 seconds left on the shot clock, three pointers. And it's just like, what are you doing? Well, why are you doing this? You're a smarter player than this. And it's like the natural comparison for me as a player in terms of when he's distributing the ball is like Rajon Rondo because he's just bigger than Rondo, but Rondo has like the crazy length, but the way that he's shifty, the way that he kind of slithers in and out of the paint, the way that he can pass with one hand, uh, the way he can do it on a live dribble. I think it's really, really similar, but their mindsets are like polar opposites. Like Rajan didn't really want to shoot it all that much. Whereas LaMelo takes these terrible shots. So, you know, what is Rajan Rondo with bad shot selection? It's a really good question, right? Like I I actually don't really know what that player looks like in the NBA, but I think it would be very effective if the defense comes together in the way that I think think it might he, at some point. Yeah. He plays for Brian, yeah. like he played for the team that Colangelo bought, right? Same team? He owns that. He owns that. Yeah. Yes. Colangelo owns part of the and team. Doesn't yeah. LaMelo also? Yeah. That was a report at one point, but I don't think okay. it's accurate at this point. I like yeah. the idea of LaMelo like telling Brian what to do. I feel like it's a fun. <laughs> I think LaMelo is like a, he's six and he's huge. And I think there's like a, yeah, he's like six. Yeah, seven, there's a yeah. there's like a there's Trey Young in there without nearly the shooting acumen, but like the passing, the vision, yep. the change of pace, and the you know laziness on defense. But with with the frame, you hope that he can be a lot more interesting there. Yeah, and defensively, it's interesting. Like whenever he chose to give a like give a shit, it was actually pretty good. Uh, he makes the right rotations. I, I legit think he's a basketball genius, like in a savant. Yeah. He just knows where he needs to be and knows where all of his teammates are at the same time. The, the problem with him is like, I went through all of his defensive possessions and I think I tracked the number of times that he was literally just like wiping his feet 
while he was supposed to be tagging a roller coming from the uh, pick and roll. He was just like, okay, I'm waiting to get the ball back on offense now, or I'm waiting to crash in, try and get this rebound so I can uh, get out and go after grabbing the board. (laughs) It's it's a fascinating deal. The upside is really ridiculous with him. Like he is going to get separation. I know that like almost certainly. I don't know anything else though. I'd be, I'd be lying to you if I said I had any certainty beyond that. Cause it's all going to be up to him at that stage. It's, like he needs to decide that he wants to be great. Yeah. It's so hard to quantify like giving a shit because like he played, like he's had such an odd upbringing. Like he was famous by the time yeah. he was what 13, 14. He didn't like yep. went to Lithuania. He went, he played random places in the U S now he went to Australia. Like it's, it's really odd. It's hard. Like I feel bad for him on the one hand because he just like has not been able to just exist. Um, but he's also he also right. is like a, a basketball genius. I, I see it also when I watch him. I, I wouldn't want to be the guy. I think I'm going to have him at one, but I also wouldn't want to be the one to make that decision. Um, and yeah. uh, and it's it, the idea of like giving a shit playing in Australia and like not not really caring about defense or whatever. Like there was some of that with Ben Simmons at LSU. Like he really didn't do a ton yeah. of stuff defensively. And then all of a sudden he comes in the league and his third year in the league, he's uh, a candidate for defensive player of the year and on first team all defense. And I think there's, I don't think LaMelo has that, those physical gifts in that way, but it's so, it's right. so, it's just so odd from a scouting perspective. And that's why it's hard for me to even like list guys on a bit, on like a traditional big board for like sort of blanket statement, because yeah. so many it's like, well, our, without talking to them, obviously, because uh, the teams get more info so that they have a better sense of what kind of guys these guys are. But it's also like, well, what do you want? What do you want out of them? Like I, I have guys, I have so many more guys that I know what they are and know that they're going to be good in some ways rather than like, Hey, this guy's a project and he might become this. And he shot like 40% on twos. Um, and maybe he eventually grows into something. And it's like, well, I don't know. I'd rather just the Sixers are at a place where they have two possible studs let's just get good basketball players around them and not have to worry about like, well, maybe this guy learns how to shoot. Can we call somebody a basketball genius? If we admit that they take bad shots all the time and don't play defense, like, can't we just say they're a good passer? I think in his case, yes, you can. It's, I think that effort and intelligence are very different things. And this is the thing that, people question with LaMelo, right, is every situation from the time that he has been 13 onward has been built around Mm -hmm. him, right? Uh, You know, the the AAU teams that, if I remember correctly, Danny Chow wrote about uh, Grantland, like those teams were built around Mm -hmm. the ball family and all he had to do was run three point to three point line and chuck shots from 30 feet and try Mm -hmm. and get steals. in high school, it was kind of the same deal. They ran a very up-tempo system. It was a little bit less so when he was around Lonzo and Leangelo, but it was a similar deal. Then he goes to Lithuania. The whole thing is built around the family. He goes to Illawarra this year. The whole thing is built around his ability to create shots, and that team knew that it wasn't going to be awesome this year. I don't. I would imagine so just because you look at their talent. like It was not a great roster around him. They built the whole thing around him. In the NBA – Look, I think he's really good, but I don't think that from day one it's going to be built 
around him. Like if he goes to Minnesota, it's built around Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. If he goes to Golden State, which I don't think is going to happen, it's built around uh, like everyone on that roster. If he goes to Charlotte, yeah, maybe it's built around him then, but you know, Devontae Graham probably has got something to say about that because he's coming off of averaging 19 points and nine assists a game or whatever. So I worry about what it looks like whenever things aren't built around him and what does it look like when he finally gets faced with adversity? I think that's a real question at this stage with LaMelo Ball. Yeah, for sure. We take a break from listing draft prospects one after another with Sam, sort of Mike's dream. Um, uh, we appreciate Sam. We do to talk about uh, our other pet, food, our other pet sponsor. That is by 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 nature by Barker, Big Barker, Big Barker dog beds. Um, my dog sleeps on a Big Barker. Mike's dog Donovan sleeps on a Big Barker. We get these dogs, they're big barkers because they are real beds. They're high quality. They uh, make your pet healthier. You know, your pet, your dog rather, sleeps on the, if you sleep on a, a, a dog bed that you get at a pet store, it's nothing more than a, an overblown blanket. Go ahead, go lay on it. I want you, I'm going to wait a second. I want you to go lay on your dog's bed. You feel the floor, right? Do you feel the floor on your bed if you laid your mattress on the floor? Of course not. You need real support for your dog's joints, and that's what Big Barker provides. BigBarker.com slash Ricky is where you go. You get the Big Barker dog bed, whatever color, whatever size you want, with the headrest, without the headrest. And if you go to BigBarker.com slash Ricky, you get the process pup patch. You send us the picture of the dog on the bed. We put them in the process pup gallery. And these claims about being better for your dog's joints, supporting your dog's joints, engineered by experts, Proven, actually proven. They did a clinical study, University of Pennsylvania Veterinary School, uh, Veterinary Medicine, University, I've been doing this for how long, Mike? Years, seven years? University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine did a, uh, a study on these beds. Uh, a 17% improvement in joint function, a uh, 12% reduction in joint stiffness, uh, overall improvement in quality of life. All of this happens. And it's called Big Barker. It was made for big dogs initially. They have beds for dogs of any size right now. Once again, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. It's a 10-year warranty. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, just let them know. They'll give you a full refund. They'll even pay for the shipping. Made in the USA, Big Barker Dog Beds. Well, back to draft stuff with Sam. Um, all right, to the Sixers. Uh, there's obviously guys that I like. There's guys that are be available in this in this range. Can, can I guess the guys that you you're like? gonna you're gonna know? But let let me let me say this first. Uh, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm looking for someone to pair with Ben and let's say Shake as like a sort of combo guard too, um, who let's say most importantly has enough burst to get to the rim in the half court and is a willing shooter off the catch and is at least physical enough as a defender to not just get, you know, muscled off the court every time. I have obviously guys that yep. I, I like that fit parts of those descriptions, but under those ramifications, who do you see as candidates for that? I would say that I like, I mean, look, I like Trey Jones more than most people because I think Trey Jones can actually shoot off the catch. Okay. Trey Jones can shoot off the catch. You should not take him. And to be honest, I don't know that Trey Jones would be at the top of my 76ers board. Uh, I would like 
Desmond Bain, even though he's not a lead guard. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that you can kind of make that work. I would like, I would like them to take a shot on Tyrell Terry, even though he does not fit any of the like power and strength aspects of what you were just talking about in terms of holding up defensively. Although, although there was a, a I, good, uh, I think it was Kevin O'Connor article uh, that Tyrell has added a ton of weight and is now throwing down like between the legs dunks in quarantine, which I fell for. I, I absolutely fell for Tyrell Terry is very high on my board. So I, I love Tyrell Terry as a human being. Uh, I think that I was the first person to write about him, like back in March or whatever, whenever he was like deciding. And like a terrific human being, incredible kid, super confident, super competitive. Definitely has put on weight. Here's the problem. He's put on 15 pounds and he's still 170 pounds. <laughs> he was still the lightest person to get measured at the combine. He was... The second shortest uh, standing reach to get measured at the combine behind Marcus Howard and is like, I think he has like a six, two wingspan while being six foot three. Like it's just the physical tools are going against him in a real way to where it's going to be very difficult for him to defend at the next level. And one question that like I asked John Hollinger earlier, right. Was how certain are we that Tyrell Terry is much better than Marcus Howard? Like Marcus Howard shot nine pull-up threes per game, made over 40% of his threes every single year at Marquette, mm-hmm. uh, can actually create off the bounce in a very similar way. I think Terry's a better passer, and I think that like the five inches of standing reach that he has will allow him to contest shots maybe a little bit mm-hmm. better. But, I mean, like Marcus Howard is – a better shooter than Tyrell Terry is. And he's better at shooting off movement than Tyrell Terry is. And Marcus Howard is like 55 on my board. And I feel like I'm high on him compared to everyone Mm -hmm. else. So I'm just trying to like navigate that with Tyrell a little bit. And like, I I struggle with how people can have him at like nine or 10 in a draft like this because of those physical limitations. Spike, did you pass No, I, I have guys. I just don't know what to say about them. Like, I don't want to give away my big board. Like, I'll give a couple of the guys that I like, that I would like on the Sixers. Um, Tyrese Maxey, is he going to be there? Sure. He might be there. I don't think he gets there, but it's possible. Uh, you know, big, strong guy like Mike wanted. I think he will shoot it at a higher level than what he shot at Kentucky. Yeah. It's just whether or not he's a... 34 to 36% three-point shooter versus being a 38 to 40% three-point shooter. Do you see him shooter. as a I think real he's probably the shooter? Latter, the former. More than like, you know, Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris are just not like willing yeah. enough. Do you think, do you feel like Ty- Tyrese will let it fly? Tyrese will let it fly. Okay. Thousand percent. Very, very confident dude. We'll have no problems with that. Yeah. I like Tyrese. I think he, I think he has balls. I think he were, cause like has like dog potential defensively. Um, I think he has like some, like bucket getting in him there's like he's yep. there's like i love donovan mitchell coming out and th- that's like the kind of shape of player that i like as far as like a guy with that can get his own that is a willing shooter and that is a dog on defense and maybe is still a little rough around the edges um i'm not saying that he's gonna be as good yeah. as mitchell but like i think like that like under that umbrella of like a kind of player that i want for the sixers and i generally just like to watch yeah the guy that like the comparison I made earlier this year was like, he's 
similar to Donovan Mitchell. If you gave Donovan Mitchell, like Josh Hart's athleticism, <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, yeah, like he's good. And I think he's going to be able to create. And he has that like dog in him to fight and battle in the way that Josh does. And in the way that Donovan does, he just doesn't have the physical tools that someone like Donovan Mitchell does. He's not a seven foot wingspan at six foot three. And he's not uh, just like a crazy explosive athlete. I also like Devin Dotson. Yeah, uh, Devon Dotson's interesting. Devon, he you. is, uh, you know, my first mispronunciation. The, my first mispronunciation of the draft of the twenty twenty draft. He's maybe you the fastest player in the draft. Yeah, you got Vassini right, and you didn't get Devon. Yeah, right. okay. well, what can you do? Uh, <laughs> so probably will be the fastest player in the draft. I think he's going to get separation with ease at the NBA level. I just don't know what happens once he gets that separation. Like he's not a super high level shooter. He's six foot one with like a six, two wingspan. So I worry about how the finishing translates. Uh, He's not like a super great passer who like sees all of the reads, but you know, backup point guard that can create offense and just kind of make shit happen. Yeah. I think that he can do that. Kind of ish Smithy a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, Ish Smith is fast as shit, man. That, yeah. Are you, are you going to go with your third yeah, one? Yeah, Cole Anthony is my third one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. No. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, look, I think a lot of teams are trying to figure out what to do with Cole Anthony. Um, I have him at, like, 17 or so. I am just trying to like talk around in my brain uh, some things. So like the NBA teams have questions about how good of a teammate he is and will people want to be around him, basically. Uh, And these questions go back to uh, New York, back when he was there. Um, These aren't really new questions with Cole Anthony necessarily. Uh, The intel continues to be that. I don't think he is as inefficient as he was at North Carolina this year. That scheme was possibly the worst fit for him in the country. They don't run a ton of pick and roll. They played two bigs. They shot 29.7% from three around him. Like, it's almost like you want to write off this entire year at North Carolina. Um, But the one thing that I think did worry me is – his athleticism did not play up in the half court in the way that like when you watch YouTube videos of Cole Anthony, it's like him dunking between his legs and throwing down like all of this crazy shit, right? You watch him play at North Carolina and that didn't like, I'm not saying he should be dunking between his legs and like half court settings or anything, but he didn't seem to have that crazy burst. He didn't have that crazy lift. Like he doesn't really extend to finish around the basket in a real way. I think again, he's going to be a guy that can create shots because he has a really tight handle and knows how to get separation from guys. I think he will be a shooter like in the similar to Tyrese Maxey, 34 to 36% range. I, I just worry about kind of all the stuff I mentioned and then whether or not he's going to be anything good enough defensively. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, I think there's some because he was the number one ranked prospect coming into college, right? 
Yeah, uh, somewhere like in the top five for sure. Yeah. He, was, he was like, he's well renowned. He's been well known since he was 15 years old, right? Yeah. Like people have known who Cole Anthony is for many, many years now. And uh, I think that this was the first year that the question started to come up. So it's made people question like, you know, was it just the situation at North Carolina? Is he still that guy at uh, you know, you watched with PSA Cardinals and you watched when he was at Archbishop Malloy and Oak Hill Academy, right? Like, I don't, I'm, I'll say like, I'm just skeptical at this stage. I'm a little bit skeptical of the whole thing. Yeah, it's interesting because there was, that North Carolina team was so bad and also injured. Yeah. And so like yeah. he didn't have like any help whatsoever, but you do, you, do, you I mean, he's old for his, for coming out as a freshman. He's already yep. over 20 years old. And he's just not like he didn't have really any bounce. All of his all of his shots were like kind of difficult, like kind of fading, contested, like eighteen footers. And it just didn't seem at any point like if he can't get that off against college teams, even if they are focusing on him, like really what what's the what's that gonna look like on a on a pro level? And so maybe maybe he gets bigger and stronger, but I, and and adjusts to like the first adversity that he's really seen, but I don't know. It's interesting. There's so many guys in this draft where they just seem a little bit physically overmatched. Like there's a lot yeah. of guys that I like a lot on a, on a basketball IQ level. Um, I think of a guy like, um, like Cassius Winston. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I agree. I mean, Desmond Bain as well. Malachi Flynn. Yep. Um, but there's, but there's just a little bit, you want a little bit more like get up and go. And right. I feel like there, a lot of these guys are missing it. The guy, a guy that is not missing that is uh sophomore Kyra Lewis jr. From Alabama, who I've loved for two years now. Yeah. He had a earlier in the summer, had a rocketing up the list type thing. And he, he'll probably be gone by the time the Sixers pick. But what do you like about Kyra? Yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if Kyra Lewis was there. Uh, you know, just super speedy, super uh, athletic in the open court. Uh, a guy that also really improved as a half court distributor this year, I thought, got more poised. Uh, he was like a spaz when he was at Alabama the first year. And it's because he was literally the youngest player at col in college basketball that year. He was 17 years old playing Division One basketball, and that's really hard. He played all of this year, I believe, at 18 years old. Uh and everything kind of slowed down. He could make some live dribble passes, although you're still hoping for some improvement there. Uh, a little bit of a stiff load into his jump shot. Like you look at his lower half, like it's not necessarily uh, a shot that gets like a ton of bend whenever he's pulling up. Uh, but I think that that can improve. He does very clearly have touch. He made over 36% of his threes, I believe, each of his two years at Alabama. Uh, statistically, you look at the numbers, like they're fantastic. I think it was like 17, 5 and 5, 17, 6 and 5, something like that. Uh, if you look back, the only guys that were like freshman aged that have done that in college basketball, they're like Markel Foltz, uh, Dennis Smith, and uh, I think like D'Angelo Russell and guys like that, which inspiring crop, I know, right? But uh, those guys were also picked in the top six or seven, whereas we're talking about with Kyra, someone that's going to go in the 10 to 20 range. So, yeah, I really like Kyra, and I think he's going to be a really good player uh, in the NBA, whether or not he's like a top half of the league starter. 
I don't know. Like he, he might settle in as like a mid-tier starter, maybe even like a blow average starter, but uh, really, really talented guy with a lot of speed to burn. I don't have any other guys. No guys. Well, we'll get, we'll get there on, we'll do more big board. I have a couple more thoughts that I want to run by you. So like <sighs> Sixers have uh, a couple, three great picks that they should utilize. And how much do you think is, you yes. can get for him? How much? I'm saying yeah. as a threat, if they use them all, sell any of these picks because it's a weird, it's a weird year. Obviously, like there is no harm in drafting three guys at 21, 34, and 36. Yeah. And if one of them ends up sucking, and you just cut them in camp, then then that happens. But like the idea of trying because there are really really capable players to be found in these places and so i'm just hoping that it's not just like a kick the can down the road or sell it for another you know paying legal fees or whatever it is um there are a lot of guys that i like you i mean it's it's hard for me because like you do a hundred player big board which i admire and and want to do i think spike would end the podcast before i got to you know 36 um but there are guys <laughs> there are guys that I believe in, like I, I think Trey Tinkle is an NBA player. I think that Nick Richards is an <laughs> yes. NBA player. I think those guys are NBA players, but I don't. But they're not going to end up in my top thirty. Like, right. are there guys that you just like? You can't rank this guy over this guy, but you just kind of think he'll find a way to make it. Who, who, like towards like lower on your list, maybe into the into the second round and if, even beyond? Are you just like I just think this guy's going to figure it out? Yeah. The the couple of guys that I've been looking back on, like one is Mason Jones at Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, just like a very brief thing on his family. So his brother and sister are Matt Jones, who played at Duke and uh, I forget the sister's name, but they were the first brother sister to ever play in the McDonald's all American game. And Mason, I think felt some pressure in that. And when he was in high school, ballooned up to like 275 pounds and was like very, like, I think that he's even referenced that he was obese at that stage and decided that he wanted to like play basketball when he was a senior in high school and started to get in shape. He was literally 260 pounds by the time that he graduated high school still and averaged like 15 points. And then he went to a prep year got down to 230 pounds and then he did a uh, year at community college and got down to 210 pounds. And then he had these two years at Arkansas where, you know, had averaged 13 a game immediately in the SEC and then averaged 22 a night in the SEC this year. Like the guys that I tend to want to bet on in the second round are guys that are like very clearly continuing to be on an upward trajectory. And I mean, it's fucking hard to get past upward trajectory when guy was not playing high school basketball until he was a senior and was 260 pounds to winning the SEC player of the year as a guard who can like create shots at will almost like I kind of want to bet on that guy, even though he has very little explosiveness and athleticism. Uh, Marcus Howard's another guy like I just like to bet on shooters on some level. Um Who's another guy that I kind of like? Tyshawn Alexander. Yeah, I like Tyshawn Alexander, if you're going to count him. I think he would be like my number one priority two-way guy. Like if I was a team, like I would want him, like he'd be my first call for a two-way. Like if I had to pick at 45, I'd be like, Tyshawn, we want a two-way you. Can you uh, 
Like, are you willing to accept that? Uh, Sam mm-hmm. Merrill. I really like Sam Merrill. Another guy that's just like a super yeah. high level shooter. Uh, I, I think I fucking love that Utah State team, man. And I'm so upset that we didn't get to see them in March. Really deeply yeah. upset. I think about it all. Why? <laughs> I don't even think about that all the time. <laughs> they deserve a shot, man. Come on, Nemus Krita. Mike thinks about a yeah, lot of things, man. Thinks about a lot of things. I really do. Um, I like, uh, yeah, uh, I like Cassius Winston more than NBA teams do as well. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, because he's a, I mean, he just won every year at Michigan State. Yeah. But he's for for old and small and certainly not explosive at all. Like, how do you see a guy that sort of like profiles in like, I mean, squint really hard and it's Chris Paul, but without any of that, any real burst whatsoever. How do? You, but a better shooter probably. How do you think that like could Cassius Winston make it like? in the NBA being as like not physically gifted as he is. Yeah. I mean, he's an elite level passer. He has elite feel in the pick and roll and he's an elite level pull-up shooter. Like those are three things that offensively I have, I really don't have any concerns about Cassius Winston offensively. I think it's going to translate. He's super competitive. He is like just a wild, wild dude that like gives a fuck out there in a real way. And I think that, like he's going to become a fan favorite immediately because of that too. He's a really smart kid as well. Uh, I don't think he really has any chance to defend at the next level is the problem. Like I, I just. Wouldn't you say the same thing about Fred Van Vliet though? No, because Fred was a lot stronger than Ken. Ed has always had that like, you know, super thick upper sturdy. body, sturdy. Yeah. Like Cassius is longer than Fred, but like he's just skinny and doesn't get through screens and like I, I don't see a way it's really gonna work defensively, but I think he's so good offensively that it's just gonna be fine. Like if you put him on the Sixers where they can just like have guys help in from the wings constantly the length and speed to recover in those situations once Cassius gets beat and you have to help. I think that's like really the perfect situation. And you know, Spike already mentioned the idea of the fact that you know, these guys don't have uh, much desire to take the last shot. They need someone that, uh, you know, wants it. I'm not saying you want Cassius Winston to be the guy to take your final shots in games, but that guy will be a give a fuck guy in like a real way. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Before we let you go, final like, give me a projection of 21, 34, and 36 for the Sixers that you would feel like we got some players going into next year. Okay, what I think they're going to do or what they're or what I would do? $600,000. That's the Blend prediction it. we're going to get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, like, one trade, one Isaiah <laughs> Joe pick, and one, uh, one like, point guard, probably, um, is what I think they're going to do. But if I was them, I would find I would probably take an upside swing. If Pokyshevsky is still there, I would take him. If Desmond Bain is still there, I would take him. If Tyrell Terry or Robert Woodard is a guy we didn't really talk about. Like I like Robert Woodard. I would take an upside swing at 21, and then I would take two guards at 34 and 36. I would take Cassius Winston, um, you know, Malachi Flynn if he's there, Peyton Pritchard, you know. Just take two of those guys, Sam Merrill, whatever guys you think can shoot and create offense as a guard, do that. I love it. 
I love it. What a time of year. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. November. My favorite. Well, you can read all of Sam's stuff. Do you have something particularly athletic you would like to promote? Do you have like a, a draft central <laughs> or some shit? I'm definitely reading this RJ Hampton article that I had not seen before. So, yeah, go for that. So uh, on Monday, I have a pretty big project that's going to get published. It is I've written 86,000 words so far for it. Uh, it is oh, it is literally everything, every knowledge I have on prospects. Uh, oh, wow. So on Monday, go do that and read that. Um, any Trey Tinkle uh, goss in there? <laughs> Uh, I have not gotten to Trace Tinkle yet. I will say that Trace will be Trace will be somewhere around uh, like seventy five on my. He's gonna make it, I believe. <clears throat> All right, well, go, go just get go read Sam and uh, subscribe to the Athletic. There's plenty of deals where you can get it for a dollar a month now. I think right. That's those deals are still going on. You can find those. Do you have a promo code or some shit you want to give away? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm allowed. No, I, I've oh. been, we've been told to you know. Just they're testing oh. different options. So okay, so I said it, I can, not uh, you. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. thank you. Definitely worth worthwhile if you uh, if you have it. It's like a lot a lot of great stuff on there. Um, thanks, Sam. We appreciate it, man. Uh, all right, we will talk to you, uh, the listener, not Sam, on Sunday. Big board, big board Sunday night, and then draft on Wednesday. A lot of names, just listing names just over and over again. Names. <laughs> are, are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, lick face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing.